It's PFTOT, a Thursday edition. Chris Sims back from assignment in Buffalo. We've got some things we want to get to that we didn't talk about during the show today, but also I want to expand on a couple of things, and I want to start with what we were discussing as the show ended, the decision that Christopher Johnson, the chairman and CEO of the Jets, needs to make about the next GM of the team. Do you get the best person for the job, even if you know or should know that person is going to want to hire his own coach, or do you find the best person to work with Adam Gase? And it leads to the broader question. Because I'm not sure Christopher Johnson understands how this all works. I don't think he understood that Gase would maybe not be, you know, compliant with Mike McCagnin as GM, and maybe there'd be a personality conflict, and maybe they should have just hired McCagnin from the fired McCagnin from the get-go. I wonder if Christopher Johnson realizes that dynamic where if you hire a GM, whatever that GM says, oh, I'm fine with Adam Gase. Oh, I love Adam Gase. Yes, I know Adam Gase. Deep down that GM is just going to bide his time until he has a chance to fire Adam Gase. I wonder if Christopher Johnson understands that dynamic. Well, uh, it's a good question because, I mean, one, you're right. Usually with GMs, they have their own agenda or own list of guys that they would like to coach their football teams when they are the GM. Two, I think people would be surprised about – how owners or how many owners know so little about little things like that, like you're talking about, you know, again, these are owners who have made, you know, successful careers and things outside of football. So they don't always know the dynamics and little things like that, that go into hiring and firing GMs and coaches and all of that. But that is the big question with the New York jets. And again, I'll say, like I said, at the end of the show, I think if it's New York jets, I mean, of course you'd like to have a little bit of both here, but ultimately I think you got to edge on the, the guy that is the best for your organization going forward and not necessarily the best just to work with Adam Gase. You know, Adam Gase, as much as I know I believe in Adam Gase and think he got a little bit of a raw deal down there in Miami, and I'm pretty sure you feel the same way, and I I like the hiring by the New York Jets. With all that said, he's still a little bit of an unproven commodity at this point to where I'm not just letting him go, oh, you're the head coach and you can get the GM you want here because it's going to work well with you. You know, I'd have have to worry about if it doesn't work with Adam Gaze, there's stuff further along in the future that I got to worry about. And that's where I think they got to side ultimately. Yeah, but but job number one for me is ensuring the elimination of dysfunction. And so what you do is you hire a GM who is aligned with Gase and you make it clear to both guys, look, you're in this together and you're either going to fail together or you're going to succeed together. And it's on you to get it done. This is what you wanted. This is what you got. Now you got to go thrive or we're going to get rid of everybody and we're going to start over again. That needs to be the arrangement all the time. You can't. And the I don't Woody Johnson hasn't done this the right way. He'd fire the GM, keep the head coach, bring in a GM who maybe didn't want the head coach. They had the John Idzik and Rex Ryan forced marriage. It's not that difficult to figure out. But you touched on something very important, Chris. Owners really don't know. Right. They act like they do. They don't. And how do they figure anything out? It's not like you're going to call up one of your competitors and say, I really don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Can you help me? And is anybody, first of all, the ego prevents you from doing that. But second of all, what do you think the guy on the other side of the phone is going to do, especially if it's somebody that you compete with on a regular basis? They're not going to tell you how to do it. That's for you to figure out. That's why guys get paid to consult. That's why you end up having, and, and typically the organizations have this. There's that one person who isn't in football, right? 
Right. But he's kind of in business, but it's you know, team president. It's Neil Glatt in New York. There's always that one person who can kind of take credit when things go well, but when things go poorly, oh, hey, I'm not in the football operation. Yeah. And that's usually the person the owner relies upon when the owner doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, no, exactly right. Or or they rely on people that they've heard, you know, through the rumorville that this guy knows a lot about the sport or it's a has-been GM who's been out of the league and out of touch with the league for a number of years and then all of a sudden they go well he was successful 12 or 15 years ago let me think let me let me ask him who he thinks is going to be successful head coach now and get his input and I want to go gosh that's not the good thing either you know we've seen mistakes along those lines asking the out of touch GM it happened with the Jets I think and Charlie Castle and Mike McCagna is a perfect example so uh, yes the owners even though they have a lot of money they don't know everything in the world and a lot of the times they don't have the right people directing them the right way as far as football decisions. That's what I love about this sport. All the money and time and expertise that's invested from the general manager down in putting together a football operation, ultimately presided over by somebody who doesn't know what the hell they are doing. There's a parallel I could make right now, but I shall not. I will move on. The, <laughs> and Chris, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to move on. I do. The Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings have had some uh, issues with Xavier Rhodes. He has the big contract. He's he's injured all the time, and he plays the following week. And sometimes I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Like there, there was a, a moment in a game last year where it looked like he got shot in the back of the leg, and he was out for the rest of the game, and he was fine the next week. Right. He does a great job of playing through injury, but he's not playing well enough, and he's gotten some criticism from coach Mike Zimmer and Rhodes said yesterday at an OTA practice he appreciates that he knows he needs to step up he knows that he needs to earn his contract and he needs to figure that out because there's already some chatter that if they could get a trade offer they like they'd move on I think he's very vulnerable next year if he doesn't improve dramatically especially because they have so many great young defensive backs who will make him a luxury they can't afford. Right. Yeah, the, you're right about that. You know, Zimmer collects uh, defensive backs, so they got a lot of them on the roster. The, the the first thing I'll say is Xavier Rhodes, I'm sure this is a very real comment. I'm sure he does appreciate Mike Zimmer being tough on him. One, he knows it's going to make him a better player. But two, you know, we talk about this a lot. You know, players appreciate the honesty of coaches and, so, and, and you know, the no, the no BS factor. Just shoot me straight. Let me know. Am I doing good enough? Am I not doing good enough? What do I need to do to be better? What do I do to need to make the team and be in your good graces? That can go a long way to a football player in the locker room, just to know where you stand with the coaches. Because I can know there was times in my career where – I didn't know where I would stand. And I'd go, damn, I've dominated practice like every day for 20 days in a row, and I'm still the third-string quarterback. And then, you know, you, you can be all over the place swimming in your own mind as far as a player goes. But Xavier Rhodes, at the bottom line, it, it does have to be better. He's being paid like he's one of the best corners in football, like he's a shutdown corner. And he's had moments of that. In the 2017 season, he was really good. There's no doubt about that. But last year was, yeah, banged up, uh, looked a little big at times for a corner to where he didn't have maybe he wasn't in shape and as explosive as he should be and those are the things that kind of concern me about him and really as a football player and in any walk of life wouldn't you rather have someone who tells you exactly what's good exactly what's bad 
where you need to improve, how you need to improve, where you stand, right. as opposed to somebody who says, hey, you're great, you're my guy, and then you walk away and he says, it's not my guy. Exactly. And, uh, that, that's a guy that we've talked about from time to time, and I'm not going to reiterate it now. You're on a roll now. You're on a roll here. They, 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 know, they, 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 they know who we mean. All right. <laughs> the scouting combine staying in Indianapolis through 2021, that's okay. not really a long-term commitment. Uh, the powers that be are determined to move the scouting combine to another city where it's going to be a huge event, and they're moving the drills to prime time. That's step one. Step two is move it to L.A. or move it to wherever they can make the most money and get the biggest crowd. But in Indianapolis, starting next year, it's going to be Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night drills. That makes sense, Chris, as it currently stands. These things start in the morning. I mean, it, and, and who's really watching them on NFL Network? I bet they're going to move some of them to ESPN or ABC, and they'll get a bigger audience, and they'll draw – more interest and there'll be more pressure on the players to choose to work out. And one of these days they better pay those players to show up and work out because they're providing free services that the NFL and the networks are making money off of. And it's all under this guise of it's a job interview. And I can't wait for the best players to say, we're just not showing up. We're yeah. just not doing it. I'm yeah. not doing it. If you want me, draft me. If you don't, let one of your competitors draft me. I, I mean, hey, I think we're going to continue to see guys flirt with that. And ultimately, I don't know. Yeah, I think you might see more and more high-end players just say, the hell with the combine. You've seen me on film for three years, and you know I'm awesome. And, you know, try to make a projection. Aren't you supposed to scout and figure things out? Well, scout. I'm damn good and draft me. And I, you're right. I think that time does come. One thing I'll say about this. I love that they're moving into nighttime. The first thing I thought of, Mike, when I said this, and I know I texted last night because I thought it was an interesting subject, was um, – I thought back about the time when I was participating in the combine and really the worst thing about participating in the combine was the fact the day of my biggest workout in the history of my life to that point, I had to wake up at like 4.50 in the morning to get ready for it. And that's, to me, I think you're going to see better workouts from players too because, you know, they're not necessarily out of their routine. I believe the day I was going to work out at the combine, I had to get drug tested at like 4.50 in the morning. You know, I had breakfast at like 5.30 in the morning. I mean, I felt like I was, you know, in another world still and trying to wake up uh, because you're up late the night before with meeting with teams and you got a roommate that you got a room with. And it just, to me, it was a little bit of an uncomfortable environment to where I think it'll be better for the player this way around too and and look I, I just think and i can envision a not too distant future where these workouts are in front of a packed stadium of fans yeah prime time live network tv and and i i don't know i it's going to be even more pressure for these guys to show up. What's wrong with you? Don't you want to compete? Don't you want to be on TV? Don't you want to perform in front of all these people and show what you can do? And and who cares if you're not being paid for it? It's your job interview. It's your opportunity. This shows that you really belong. It's it's moving in that direction because there's a lot more money to be made off of the scouting combine than the NFL currently makes. All right. Speaking of money and some of the bad things that can happen when a guy has money. And, and look, Chris, the setup here is Tyron Matthew has been dealing with an extortion plot, apparently, hatched by some family members who got pissed off because he used to give them money and now he no longer does. And I'm not going to get into the weeds of what happened to Tyron Matthew. I just want to ask you generally based on your experience, and I don't want you to use any names. How prevalent is it that guys get, you know, whether it's family members, whether it's a, an ex-girlfriend, whether it's somebody they just met out at a bar one night, people who shake them down because they have money and they have a reason to protect their earning potential. So they just kind of quietly write a check and and move on and not report it 
just move on? Because I get the impression that that's not uncommon. No, it's not uncommon. It's not. I mean, there's a lot of hanger-oners for the NFL football players. A lot of times, because of their upbringings, you know, they don't come from the the, the best circumstances growing up. Um, you know, more times than not, unfortunately, it's family members, close friends who constantly have their hands out more and more and more and more. And, you know, to a football player who most are extremely loyal, right, They and they feel fortunate that they've been gotten this opportunity and are able to be paid money to play, you know, they feel guilty and they're continuing giving the money out. But at some point you realize as you mature and it looks like this is what happened to Tyron Matthew, you know, when does it end? When does the hand ever stop? I mean, I got to start supporting my own life and my family and I can't just keep giving out money to family members and whatever it may be. My father came from a big family in Kentucky. I know he always felt like, you know, he was extremely fortunate. He was one of eight kids. He was always trying to give back to them and they were on the back of his mind you know about them not being as fortunate as he was so there's that issue damn Mike I can remember walking into a locker room one day I'm not even going to name the name you could probably put it together but gosh the guy was a friend of mine and I could tell there's distress going on I'm going man something's going on in his life this morning what is it he's on the phone oh why is he on the phone well he just found out that a, a family member had bought 18 cars under his name in the city of Houston things like that go on all the time in the NFL and it's just a shame and uh you know it's good that tyron matthew took a stand here because it does expose him to some embarrassment i remember when robert griffin iii took on an extortion plot several years ago that's when i first became aware of the reality that for every guy who takes a stand there are many who just say give him the money and right. let's be done with it right. and let's move on especially in this day and age where the NFL is so vigilant about the personal conduct policy. All it takes is a false accusation that sticks in any way, shape, or form. And the next thing you know, your career is derailed because you've been suspended by the league office. All right, no suspensions for Chris Long for smoking marijuana during his playing career, but he admitted on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday he smoked a lot. And this is no surprise. It's amazing to see the people who clutch the pearls and say, oh, oh, it's horrible that Chris Long smoked marijuana. Look, a lot of guys smoke marijuana. And the way this, the testing system is set up, it's easy to beat the test. And Long made a great point yesterday. The point is this. You know when to stop smoking marijuana because the window on the annual one test only right. opens on April 20. You stop mid-March. The problem is, what do you do from mid-March to the end of April to deal with your pain, to deal with any other issues that marijuana helps you with? You end up taking prescription drugs. You end up drinking. You end up doing things other than smoking marijuana that may be less safe for you right. overall, big picture, long-term, than smoking marijuana. So his ultimate point is the NFL does need to change this. And I admire him for having the courage to admit it yeah. because there's always going to be that cluster of knuckleheads out there that want to shake their finger at him without realizing the world has changed dramatically, folks. People smoke marijuana now. Oh, by the way, they always did, but now it's legal in far more places than it isn't, and the NFL is finally catching up. And I think we need more guys like Chris Long yeah. to come out and admit that they did it after their career ends. It's stupid to do it during your career, but I think more guys need to admit that they did it afterwards so people realize this is what guys do to deal with the pressure, the stress, the pain, the discomfort. Right of being an NFL player. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I, I do. I, I mean, you said it. I think that the, the number of NFL football players that smoke marijuana is much higher than people realize. I mean, you know, I'm going to say 50% of the, the locker room is, you know, a pretty consistent group of smoking marijuana, okay? And then I would say there's an, 
another 20% in the locker room where I would go, they're the type of guys that maybe smoke, let's say, once a week or once a month or something like that, right? So it's very prevalent in an NFL locker room. One, okay, because of all the things you mentioned, the, you know, the pain management, the way it makes guys' bodies feel, everything like that. Two, hey, just like every other worker and man in the world who likes to have a beer or, you know, some wine after, you know, uh, after work or whatever it may be, NFL football players want to do that too, but they don't want to mess with alcohol. Alcohol, I mean, there's really just nothing worse for the, for the physical body and the muscles than alcohol. So players to maybe relax or get that buzz at the end of a day or whatever it may be, yeah, they would rather smoke weed than drink liquor to where they go, oh, I, I had a few drinks and then you pull a muscle the next day because you're dehydrated or whatever it may be from that liquor. So uh, again, I think it is great by Chris Long and in the millennial culture, as you know, Mike, right now, popping pills is a thing. I mean, it's a huge thing in our country. And, you know, to me, this would be another way to kind of get some of those younger millennial guys, because I know in the NFL, some of the younger guys are still pill poppers. That's what they did in college. And because it was the cool things to do, the uppers, the downers, whatever it may be. And I think if they had marijuana at their disposal, that they'd be less likely maybe to, to, to partake in some of the pill activities. Hey, the best news of the week that the NFL is allowing a study to proceed and allowing the doctors to decide whether or not marijuana should be used as pain management. The biggest step away from removing this from collective bargaining, and we want to get something in return from the union before we take away the marijuana prohibition. If it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. And at a minimum, it's the right thing to do to start this process. Hopefully, they conclude the process with Marijuana being something players can use for pain management. What? What's that smile? I sneezed. I sneezed. I didn't oh, know if you saw me. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. God, it's okay to sneeze. Here's the thing. We, we did the airing of grievances earlier. L let me just say this generally. When you have to sneeze, sneeze. Don't do that thing where you hold the sneeze in. You can literally cause a cerebral hemorrhage by doing that. Sneeze. Okay. When you have to sneeze, sneeze. All right. I, we're, I'll we're take your now. coaching. You can sneeze. We can sneeze all you want because we're done. We'll do this again tomorrow. Everybody enjoy your Thursday. Friday, Chris Sims is working. He's got. He's going to need some rest this weekend. Chris Sims on Button coming up later today. And we will have an all-new edition of PFT Live tomorrow morning for you on NBC Sports Radio and NBC. We got, we got Big Cat coming tomorrow? No Big Cat tomorrow. Nah, oh, darn it. Okay, fine. Just you? Jeez. All right. Yeah, but that, that's fine. You, we'll, we'll get by. Today was better than you thought it was going to be. Tomorrow will be even better than that. Everybody have a great day. See ya.